Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Dave Smith with another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. So, what I want to get down on tonight is uh, the difference between hemp and marijuana and the history of why the two are confused. And then I want to break down the uses of each and the usefulness of each because they are both amazing plants in their own right. So, let's get down. So, hemp and marijuana, same family, different species, right? My analogy is, yes, they're both dogs, but a St. Bernard and a Poodle whole hell of a (laughs) huge difference there right huge difference there so you you get you get my drift so hemp is bred primarily for fiber and seed Um, it's very low in the psychoactive uh, compound THC and it grows very tall thin usually packed together kind of like bamboo Um, marijuana is bred for the psychoactive or health benefits, um, high in THC, grows very bushy, and um, plants are like way spaced out, man, like very far apart. <laughs> little pot humor there. Both are very useful in their own right. Let's break down hemp first. Um, Hemp may be the most useful plant on earth. I'm going to say it. It is. It is. Um, Up to 25,000 different uses. Uh, Everything under the sun can be made out of hemp, basically. Popular mechanics in 1938 went so far as to say it was the new billion-dollar crop. 1938. Billion-dollar crop. So... Uh, you know, here's just off the top of my head, here's a list of products that can be made from hemp. We've got amazing fiber boards that can be made now. So plywoods, things of that nature. So beams, construction beams for homes, uh, plywood, carpet, um, paint, um, wood stain. Plastic, hard plastic, as a matter of fact. Um, The inside door panels for cars, for Mercedes, BMW, Lotus, uh, those are being made out of hemp. As a matter of fact, somebody just made a plane out of hemp plastic. The hemp resin plastic is so strong, it's unbelievable. Um, Paper. Uh, clothing, as a matter of fact, um, the clothing is way more UV resistant than cotton. And I don't know if most people know this, but cotton takes, you know, so 50% of all pesticides used in the world are used on cotton. So, by just eliminating cotton, we would be doing the earth a huge justice. 
hemp, you don't need any pesticides. For some reason, it attracts a balance of insects, so it just kind of works out, you know. You don't need any uh, pesticide, you don't need herbicide, and you don't need fungicide. A little bit of fertilizer. And that's it. So, huge benefit in that regard. But um, other things that are made from hemp are hempcrete. So, concrete, but made from hemp. The inside of the stalk, they scrape it out. They mix it with lime and water, and boom, it basically, it forms a rock-solid plaster that you can build with. You make a frame, and then you, you pack it down with a mallet, and, uh, and it's as tough as the, as the frickin' pyramids. And the, the benefit to that is if you build a house with hempcrete, and the walls are 12 inches thick, the house will be self-insulating to 65 degrees year-round with no heating. So imagine that. 65 degrees. I mean, that's what I consider comfortable. So you wouldn't need to heat or cool your home. Unbelievable. Imagine the energy savings. So now we're getting into to, <laughs> to why it might be illegal, right? Um, but so you know, and then marijuana, it's got it, it's got it, its uses, right? Uh, it's it's good for pain. Um, my mother has severe arthritis, and she's been using a balm that's got uh, THC in it. And she says it, it really relieves the pain of her arthritis. Um, I myself have, have taken edibles for back pain. You know, I, I, I was prescribed opiates by a doctor, but I, I'm done with those. I'll never take them again. And uh, anybody with back pain probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's all doctors have to give you. And uh, the only thing that will really help you is a chiropractor, stretching, exercise, and some cannabis. Um, and massage is also fantastic. Acupuncture is also great. Uh, physical therapists played a huge role in my recovery. Um, you know, I'm not discounting any modality. Anything that works for you is fantastic, right? I'm just talking about what worked for me, okay? Um, but, you know, they were feeding me all these opiates, and uh, oh my God, hell no, hell no couple edibles, I prefer the little gummies, you know, and you're back, back or relax, you'll be fine, um, anyway, so why is hemp, or was hemp illegal, it became legal to grow hemp in the United States for the first time 
in uh, in decades um, under Trump, oddly enough. And, you know, I commend him for that. So that's fantastic. And the, in the farm bill, it, it included, uh, you know, hemp legalization. And he signed it. So that's fantastic. But why was it illegal? Well, it turns out it was just corporate greed and and um, the aspirations of a, you know, corrupt politician. So here we've got William Randolph Hearst, who is a newspaper owner, owns a bunch of different newspapers. He owns tons of real estate. And that real estate happens to be forest. Well, he wants to cut that forest down and turn it into newspaper. Then we've got Harry Anslinger. He's the he's the uh, corrupt politician, you know, just trying to make a name for himself. The guy I was talking about, and uh, and he did that. He did a very good job at that. Um, he was in the government for I think thirty two years. We'll get into that in a minute. Then you got the DuPont family. The DuPont family invented the chemical process to turn wood pulp into paper. So before that, all paper was made out of hemp or recycled clothing. And most of the clothing was made out of hemp. So... (laughs) You're basically recycling your clothing, your paper. Imagine imagine that. Imagine a world where hemp is not vilified. As a matter of fact, just a little side note. The original Levi's were made out of hemp. Stronger than cotton, better than cotton. So, imagine a world where your bed sheets wear out, your towel wears out, your t-shirt wears out, your socks, your drapes, your carpet, it's all made out of hemp. It wears out, you recycle it, you make it back into other towels, carpets, drapes, or paper, right? It's all, it all goes back into the loop. It's a closed loop system. So you don't throw any of that in the landfill, right? Even even hemp plastic can be made to be biodegradable. So we're just talking about corporate greed here. So, so these people, William Randolph Hearst of the Hearst family, Hearst Castle, Harry Anslinger, Andrew Mellon of the Mellon family, the DuPont family, all conspired together to pass what was called the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. So, oddly enough, 1937, that happened to be the year that DuPont invented the chemical to, um, not, no, I'm sorry, not the chemical to make pulp from paper. I'm not sure when that happened. But oddly enough, 1937 was the year they invented nylon. Well, all tents used to be made out of hemp. 
And I mean, you know, I love camping and backpacking, so thank God for nylon, right? It's a great product. But, just saying, it's funny that, you know, that very same year, the government outlawed hemp. And didn't just outlaw it, but, you know, went hardcore, full tilt boogie to try to brainwash the U.S. that hemp was the worst thing in the frickin' world, right? And so, here's a little clip. <laughs> Actually, here's two minutes. This is, a, this is a propaganda video that the government put out called Reefer Madness, trying to convince you how crazy you'll get if you smoke a little of that wacky tobacco. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. In this startling film, you will see dopesters lure children to destruction. We're going over to Joe's place. Why don't you come along? We have a date to play instead of doubles. Oh, you can play anytime. Come on, we'll have some laughs. Can I go along with you? Sure. Hey, I'll see you at dinner, sis. If you want a good smoke, try one of these. You will meet Bill, who once took pride in his strong will as he takes the first step toward enslavement. Of course, if you're afraid. Smoking the soul-destroying reefer, they find a moment's pleasure, but at a terrible price. Debauchery, violence, murder, suicide. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Hopeless insanity. So un unbelievable, crazy propaganda, and that that's provided to us on YouTube by the Warner Brothers Entertainment Group, um, and it's just Reefer Madness 1936 on on YouTube. Uh, you know James Wolseley um, on VoteHemp.com um, on VoteHemp's YouTube channel. So, that was James Woolsley on the uh, VoteHemp.com's YouTube channel. So, VoteHemp on YouTube channel. Um, now, here we have a quote from um, the HerbMuseum.ca, the Herb Museum in, in Vancouver. 
And here's that popular mechanics billion dollar crop thing I was talking about. So they have a quote here. Popular mechanics describes hemp as the new billion dollar crop. The article was actually written in the spring of 1937 before cannabis was criminalized. Also in February of 1938, mechanical engineering calls hemp the most profitable and desirable crop that can be grown. Boom. Here's a Wikipedia, William Randolph Hearst. He was uh, an American businessman, newspaper publisher, and politician known for developing the nation's largest newspaper chain and media company, Hearst Communications. His flamboyant methods of yellow journalism influenced the nation's popular media by emphasizing sensationalism and human interest stories. Hearst entered the public the publishing business in 1887 with Mitchell Trubit after being given control of the San Francisco Examiner by his wealthy father. So, thanks, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, where's this? This is a, let's see, then we got Wikipedia on Harry Anslinger was a United States government official who served as the first commissioner for the U.S. Treasury Department's Federal Bureau of Narcotics during the presidencies of Hoover, Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy. He was a supporter of prohibition and the criminalization of drugs and a notorious racist who supported the victimization of African Americans while spreading anti-drug policy campaigns. Anslinger held office an unprecedented 32 years in his role as commissioner until 1962. He then held office two years as U.S. Representative to the United Nations Narcotics Commission, the responsibilities once held by Anslinger are now largely under jurisdiction of the U.S. Office of the National Drug Control Policy. So, he's a dick. <laughs> then Andrew Mellon. Sometimes, <laughs> da, 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 and was an American banker, bankster, businessman, industrialist, philanthropist, art collector, and politician from the wealthy Mellon family. He established a vast business empire before transform transitioning into politics. He served as United States uh, Secretary of the Treasury um, and presided over the boom and the bust years of the 20s and the Great Depression. Wow. Mellon favored policies that reduced taxation and the national debt. So there you go. So he passed. He basically deregulated and led to the crash. Good job, buddy. Um, yeah, where was that one part I was looking at? Anyway, yeah. Daddy's money once again. 
Then you've got the DuPont family, a prominent American family descended from Pierre Simeon Dupont de Meuse. Uh, the DuPont family has been one of the richest families in the United States since the mid-19th century when it founded its fortune in the gunpowder business. Okay, so a little blood on their hands maybe. In the late 19th and 20th centuries, it expanded its wealth through the chemical industry. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. There you go. So, all ties together there. Um, and here I've got Abby Hoffman, or I'm sorry, Abby Martin. Abby Hoffman. <laughs> Abby Martin talking about, um, you know, exactly what I'm breaking down. How hemp is uh, made to be unbelievable. Do you know that there's a plastic, I'm sorry, a plant strong enough to replace plastic, oil, and building materials? That the same plant has been cultivated for industrial purposes for over 12,000 years. Yet it's been classified as a Schedule One controlled substance drug by the U.S. government. Nope, not marijuana. Hemp. Recently, Kentucky Agriculture Minister, Commissioner James Cormer has requested a legal review of the steps necessary for hemp regulation. The federal ban is lifted on growing the crop. That's right. Kentucky could soon be reviving an industry that only a century ago was considered to be the most important cash crop and vital to the strength of the U.S. economy. So let's backtrack a little bit and talk about what hemp actually is. Throughout human existence, hemp has been used as an important source of fuel, clothing, shelter, even food for people all over the world. In this country, industrial hemp was widely cultivated since America's first settlers arrived in the early 1600s. In fact, even our founding fathers acknowledged hemp's enormous benefits. George Washington, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson all grew hemp on their private farms. And Jefferson was even quoted once as saying hemp is one of the greatest important substances of our nation. The Declaration of Independence itself was even drafted on paper derived from hemp. So what happened? How did one of the most versatile and adaptable species of crops in the world also become one of the most politically polarizing agricultural resources? Well, in the early 20th century, the plant became labeled a threat so dangerous that it should be wiped out. It wasn't dangerous to anyone or anything except the industries that it could phase out of existence. So what did the establishment do to ensure their allegiance to the very industries they serve? Well, they did what they do best. They lied and smeared hemp through a propaganda campaign that associated the plant with marijuana. And in 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act redefined hemp as a narcotic, which required farmers to obtain a special tax stamp to grow the crop. So... Government instilled crushed seed. So this is huge. After you have you press press the uh, hemp seed and get the oil, extract the oil from it, you have this crushed hemp seed, right? Well, then you can feed it to livestock, or use it in a bunch of other ways, as he's describing. So even that doesn't go to waste. Plants are animals, sugar, formerly cotton, vegetables, and root vegetables. Also from the seed, we can produce what is known as hemp milk, which is similar to almond milk, but hemp products are high in protein, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, as well as essential fatty acids, which are essential for our body's normal functioning. We can also use the, the flour to make hemp pasta. 
Interestingly, there's also been cases in the US and Canada where you've raised animals, as well as the Netherlands, we've raised um, cattle off of strictly hemp, and they've had impressive results doing that. Hemp also in construction, where you get the shiv or the inner core and mix it with lime, then you can mold it around a wooden frame or other similar weight-bearing structures to produce hemp buildings. This is um, a new industry in Australia where companies are actually formed of strictly making hemp buildings. <coughs> the big one, energy. As mentioned before, we press the seed to get oil. This oil is a direct feedstock into biodiesel creation, as we have local businesses here doing that already. Also, hemp also produces the most biomass for any crop you can find, even more than corn. So when you couple that with what we plan to do, which be um, the bagasse from sugar, you can see we can produce a lot of fuel from biomass. Just consider this calculation. Um, one acre of hemp can produce probably about 1,800 gallons of oil, which is 42 barrels of oil. If you can harvest it every three months, that's 168 barrels per year. With the arable land in Barbados at 80% usage, we have 38 square kilometers in use, which is roughly 9,400 uh, acres, uh, 160 barrels per acre per year. That's roughly 15, 1.5 million barrels of oil. The international rate for oil right now is roughly $105, and you can see we can save about 166 million US dollars every year. We, put, we consume roughly 8,000. We consume roughly 8,000 barrels of oil per day, and if we produce it as I prescribed, then we can produce roughly about 54% of our annual oil need. When you couple that with the, the biogas, with the biomass potential, you can see that percentage will increase. Medicine companies across the world, uh, as well as universities, have now started researching the benefits of, of hemp medically. I'm sure KFL campus medical faculty will love to be able to do this. And even though the plant is in prohibition, it's interesting to note that the American government actually owns the patent on all med medical benefits from cannabis. What? Using can um, hemp as well, we can also produce other cosmetics. You know, the ladies love their cosmetics. And the essential fatty acids in hemp are excellent for your skin, so you won't have any of the issues of the normal cosmetics out on the market now. Cat cells and cordage. We used to produce C. Ellen cotton years ago. How about producing C. Ellen hemp now? Hemp, you can grow with extremely less um, pesticides than cotton. It is 300%, you can grow 300 times, three times more hemp than cotton per acre. It is warmer, uh, it dries easier, it is more absorbent than cotton, and it's stronger than cotton. As the saying goes, you tend to wear in hemp clothes and you don't wear them out. Also interesting about hemp is that when you rotate it with other crops, it is known to reduce pests in these crops, and it also aerates the soil because of its root system, and through a process of phytomediation, removes toxins yeah, from the soil as well. This is just a brief overview of hemp as an overall industry, where you can see we harvest it, we have the seed and the stalk, then we can shell the seeds to get the, the meat or the inner core, we can grind the shells to get the protein or the flour, uh, we have the oil, the oil which we get from pressing the seed, which can be used in other processes as well. Uh, from the stalk, we can decort the stalk, which is where you take the fibrous inner core out and separate it from the fibers on the outside, which you get uh, other fibers from, which go into making fabric and textiles and things like that. Or the herd is what you mix with the, the lime to make the hempcrete. The first two columns here on your far left are extracts from the Central Bank report as well, where you see our trademark, our current markets, and the middle column is what they forecast for them to, um, to produce. On the right is what I've created, which I term the hemp market, which basically shows a parallel between what you could produce with hemp and what we already produce. 
So I will leave it to you to attach the appropriate potassium figures there as it really doesn't exist yet. Who will benefit from this? Well, firstly, let's say healthcare the university as it relates to research and development, not only in the medical field, but in the best way to produce hemp and agriculture, that kind of thing. BNSI, because everything these days relies on a standard. Paradise Green, which is already doing biofuel, refineries, breweries, bakeries who can make hemp bread, vegan bread, whatever the case is. Laboratories for testing the crop and other byproducts of it. We have agricultural feedstocks for animal producers, as well as normal um, agriculturalists. Hemp Foods Barbados, this is the opportunity to produce. So, on and on and on, who's going to benefit from it, right? But you get the point. Off the chain, off the chain, the benefits are unbelievable. Um, it, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. So, you know, there are, there is really no downside that I can see. And the benefits are off the chain. So, you know, do we want a sustainable future that we can hand down to the next generation? Then we want hemp. Do we want salmon? Do we want to prevent erosion and restore salmon streams? Yes, then we want hemp. Do we want to, you know, help reforestation of areas that have been ravaged? Yes, then we want hemp. I've also read recently, I forget where, that hemp detoxifies not only soils with heavy metals in them, but also nuclear, as do mushrooms. Um, you know, not funny mushrooms, just, you know, mushrooms. So, plant these areas with both of those, boom! All of a sudden, they're habitable again. And then become productive land. So, the thing with industrial agriculture is it's just, it's stuck on stupid. They're doing monocropping, they're killing the land, as opposed to feeding it. You know, you feed the land and it feeds you back. But you can only do that on a small farm. Otherwise, it's not manageable. So, that's what we need. Small farms. Industrial agriculture has failed us. You know, you can't take the factory and bring it to the farm. Is what we've learned. So... You know, the United Nations even said the only hope to, to, to feed the growing world population is small, local, organic farms. So they're even saying it. We need to go back to, like, the village model. So how far does your food come to get to your plate? You know, that, that shit's important. And... um you know, don't underestimate the value of, of how you spend your dollar, right? Because that, you're, you're voting. Every time you spend a dollar, you're voting. You're either voting for the company that you're spending your dollar with, or if you don't shop somewhere, you're voting against them. So think about that. That's pretty powerful. Every dollar you spend is a vote. So, anyway, 
It's been Dave with And Another Thing with Dave coming to you with a little rant on hemp, hemp and marijuana. So if you like what I'm doing, please share with friends and uh, I will check you later on the next episode. You can also catch me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, on Twitter, I'm Dave Smith with three T's, and peace out, folks. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Dave Smith coming to you with another episode of kind of a Klingon, actually, on an, on a previous episode, uh, little tag along episode um, about hemp and marijuana. I wanted to delve into marijuana and the useful aspects of this wonderful plant. We kind of talked about. Um, you know, how hemp is so useful for, for so many things. Um, they say approximately 25,000 different products could be made out of hemp. So that's mind-boggling, right? Amazing. Including, like, biodegradable plastic. So saving our oceans. Paper. Saving our trees. Building materials. Saving our trees. Um... Hempcrete, which I really didn't touch on, but hempcrete, half the strength of concrete, green building material, and fireproof. So here in uh, Northern California, where we just got ravaged by fires, and hello Australia, hempcrete buildings. This guy did a test on YouTube, and uh, man, he held a... Like a, you know, what is it? You know, little one of those little butane torches up against the thing for nine minutes. And it, you know, burned a little tiny hole in it. And didn't, not even a hole. It burned into it about a half inch. It was a four inch block of hempcrete. And it burned into it about a half inch after this flame had been focused on it for nine minutes. Never erupted into flame didn't come close to burning through it, so pretty fucking awesome, be nice to see how it held up to higher temperatures, but anyway, hempcrete should be looked into for fire ravaged areas as a building material, and it's much greener than cutting down trees, right, so you you grow the hemp to make the hempcrete, so you're canceling out any, you know, it's a total, it's a total carbon negative product, so you can have a carbon negative house, but anyway, bleh, 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 I digress, this episode we're talking about marijuana and the benefits there, so I guess you see some of the benefits, (laughs) Um, but no, so Epileptic seizures. Boom. Um, It's been shown to help kids with epileptic seizures. Oh my God. Right? Pain. Definitely. I've had experience with that myself. Um, 
you know, I've been prescribed every drug you can imagine under the sun for my back. And uh, I won't do any of them anymore. But if it, if things get really bad, I'll go to the go to the dispensary and and get a gummy bear. And uh, and thank God I can do that. And um, you know, I made a little bit of coconut oil. And um, and that works fantastic, you know. Some ganja coconut oil. You make it in a crock pot. Um, so what you do is you take, you use coconut oil, heat it up on in low, on low in your crock pot, and then put some ganja in there and leave it for twenty four to forty eight hours. I recommend forty eight hours. The longer the better, and um, and then just. Uh, Pour it through a cheesecloth and, 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 and squeeze it out. And you will have amazing medicine. It, you can eat. Um, it's topical. If you want to be able to eat it, um, then you need to do what's called decarboxylate it. Right? So decarboxylating is a fancy way of of saying heat it up, <laughs> heat it up for a half hour. So put your oven on 200 degrees, leave the door open and put, put, um, the pot on a cookie sheet on the middle rack and keep an eye on it. You don't want it to start smoking at all. You just want to heat it up. <clears throat> and by heating it up, you change the chemical compound of it. So now it will be psychoactive if you eat it. Otherwise, it will not. So I've, I think this is a, an important thing to do because that way, when you make your coconut oil, you can either eat it or put it on topically. So it works for both. So I made some capsules. I went to you know health food store and got just empty capsules filled those with some, uh, you know, ganja coconut oil. And then I, I just have a big chunk of it in the freezer that I rub on whatever, whatever's ailing you. You know, I got a, an ankle that I've strained and twisted and fried a few times. I got a knee on the other side and then the back thing and and then whatever else comes up, you know, life happens, man. <laughs> so, um, but, oh God, I swear by it. And I gave some to my mom, to me dear madre, to me mom, to me dear mom. And uh, she said it was the best thing she's ever tried for her arthritis. I didn't tell her what it was at first, right? But she was on to me. She's on to my game. She knows me. Um, but yeah, so many, 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 many uses. So it gets a bad rap. I don't know. You know, first of all, hemp, marijuana, two totally different things. Second thing, like, why do you care? <laughs> What's wrong with pot? There's nothing wrong with it. You know, if you want to, if you want to talk, you know, and, and that, that video I played early on, Reefer Madness, you know what you could substitute for that, and it would be more accurate, is alcohol. Substitute 
alcohol for pot in Reefer Madness, and, and you're almost kind of spot on. You know, every bar, every city USA, there's been at least one fight in every bar, I, I guarantee it. Every city right now, what time is it? 10.14 p.m. as I'm recording this. So bars are open till 2 in California, so within the next four hours, there's going to be one bar fight in every major city in the United States. Guaranteed. Because some, like, you know, testosterone-filled asshole is going, Hey, you looking at me? You looking at my girlfriend? Yeah, I'm looking at your girlfriend. You don't want people to look at your girlfriend... Don't date a cute girl. It's fucking simple. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. I digress. But uh, you know what I'm saying, right? So. It's been a smear campaign. It's been ridiculous. Who has benefited from this? Well, the oil industry. The oil, uh, the oil industry for sure. The paper industry. The cotton industry, the soy industry, the corn industry. We didn't even talk about corn, but, you know, fuck, all of Nebraska is corn. And, you know, what? What vitamins are in corn? Hemp's like a perfect superfood. Full of protein. Bunch of other vitamins. What's in corn? All of Nebraska is corn. Wheat. What's in wheat? So, we could be rethinking everything. Corn, wheat, soy, cotton. All of them. Boom! Nope. Just different varieties of hemp. Because you don't ever want a monocrop. So you intersperse. Different varieties, five or six, seven, eight, ten varieties. So you can't ever have like a locust fest or, a, you know, something that's going to, well, I don't know about locusts, but you know what I'm saying. If, if you monocrop, one pest can set you back. So by intermingling a bunch of different species of hemp, which all grow beneficially and, and fine together, uh... Boom, you minimize that pro problem. So, hmm. If we have a future, I think hemp will be it. Um, I think it could definitely save us from ourselves. You know, it can it can bring back land that we've already fucked up. And it can make land that we haven't fucked up yet that much better. One thing that I, I uh, learned in this movie Dirt about topsoil, it's a documentary about topsoil, is that there's only, on average, four inches of topsoil on planet Earth. And that is what provides us with life. <laughs> That's where we grow all our food. So think about that, people.
four inches of topsoil. Do you compost? If not, why not? So composting can be really difficult, or you can just take a shovel, dig a hole, and throw some vegetable scraps in it, and then cover it with that dirt that you just removed. Boom. In, in two months, three months tops, that's going to be beautiful soil right there. It can be that easy. That easy. I've done it. I converted a yard that was complete clay to beautiful, dark, rich, thick, black, beautiful soil. Anyway, I digress. So, once again, talking about hemp, talking about marijuana. This has been Dave. And another thing with Dave coming at you. If you like what I'm doing, please share with friends. Tune in again. Until next time.